How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. Things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com. Four eyes and no sight. Poisonous bunchback toad. The soul of this man is his clothes. Beetle-headed, flap-eared knave. Anointed sovereign of sighs and groans. Hello, and welcome to the special Marines edition of Strutting and Fretting, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Today, I am talking with director Deborah Schultz and actor Sam Martinez about A Few Good Men. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us. And before we get started, I'd like to remind our audience that this is actually not the first time we've talked about Aaron Sorkin play on the show. If you enjoy this episode with Deb and Sam, be sure to check out episode three with Natalie Lerner and Callan, whose last name I still have trouble pronouncing. McLaughlin. 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 Yes, that's it. Is that like Sarah McLaughlin? Yes. No, that's okay. McLaughlin. Oh, I think. oh is it? I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. She's like Canadian mm. Scottish or something. <laughs> I think I don't something weird. Canadian Scottish. I, Scottish Canadian. I don't know. Scottish Canadian. That's I, I that's a thing. So. I I I. You have to ask like Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> I, I don't know. She was for, she was poet laureate of my first relationship. But other than that, <laughs> okay. but other than that, I I don't really remember it. Anyway, um, so now that that little housekeeping <laughs> about Sarah McLaughlin and 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 episode three is done. Um, Deb, you like challenging material. Um, what is it about this play that speaks to you? And are you a fan of Sorkin's work in general? Oh, I, I love um, West Wing. Like That used to be my jam in the morning when they would run it three episodes in a row from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. This was on Bravo, just, probably. Uh, um, back when, back when actually, Bravo I think it was like, had... Decent programming? It was either on Bravo or it was on, like, TBS or TNT, one of those Mm -hmm. crazy um, channels that just runs things over and over and over again. Um, But I love the idea of A Few Good Men because it really pushes the boundaries of what can you do, what should you do, um, if you're faced with something that you know is wrong, but you're told it's not wrong, you believe at that moment that it's not wrong, and then you find out in the end that it is. Um, and just pushing the audience in a way that they should go out of the show feeling like, oh, I, I don't necessarily know where I come down on this. Um, we're not there to try to actually answer the questions. I think we're there to pose more questions. Right. So I just love shows that do that, where the audience kind of goes... That was a good show, but I'm not sure how I feel about what just happened. Right. Or I feel a little icky for watching that and enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) I um, there was something that Aaron Sorkin said about the West Wing, and it's I'm paraphrasing here, but it's it's basically about flawed people trying to do good things, 
and <laughs> mm. um, I, I think from every point of view of each of these characters, I think that's kind of where they springboard. From. Oh yeah, there's. I don't think there's any character in there that's true or good or right, or that has any concept that they're the way they should be. Except maybe Kathy. I think maybe Kathy thinks, hey, the way I do things is the right way. <laughs> Callan might disagree with me, but that's okay. Um, but, you know, and we and what's funny is we enter the show kind of through Kathy. Like, that's the character we're supposed to follow, and, and you know, he's the lead in the show, but he's probably the character that's the most flawed of any of them right. because he really doesn't have any concept that he's flawed. I think everybody else knows they're real people. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessup for sure knows he's right, but he's right because he says he's right, not because the rest of the world says he's right. Yeah, I think Kathy's the only character that actually starts out one way or has a character arc where he starts off one way and ends up another way. Yeah, but does yeah. he? No, I, I think he does. I think, <laughs> I think he does because but that the is the last line to, of the show. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, the last. I think I took away from the last couple of lines of the show is that he actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to take on more. I'm going to stand my post. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do more, make more of an effort to be a lawyer rather than just a. a, a what's the word that that Joanne uses? She uh, says she calls him something. The game show host or a car salesman. Car, you yeah, car, car salesman. salesman yeah. You're an ambulance chaser with a with a rank. rank. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's the only one that actually makes that makes that arc and you know hopefully in the sequel he'll <laughs> turn out to be a <laughs> where they go after Kendrick a few more good men a few more good men yeah. <laughs> one, one more on the ice. long yeah on one in the longest the, the endless list of what we're gonna do with this show yeah. between the musical and right. the, and junior, the version. junior show yeah junior a few show. good men in drag and you know good men in tights <laughs> okay Deb, in your director notes for the playbill, you mentioned that the Marines in the show have a personal code, and you also have one for how you approach your work, and that's challenge, inform, entertain. What does that mean for you, and why is that important to do it in that order? Um, a lot of people that do what I do, and I'm very fortunate, I get to do theater every day, all day, as a college professor of drama. Um, but a lot of people think that theater is about the entertainment. And for me, I'm, I'm a little more Aristotelian than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, spectacle is the bottom of the list. So entertainment's got to be at the bottom of the list. Um, I think if you don't challenge people with the works they see, then why bother? Um, make sure that the actors are challenged. Make sure the production staff is challenged. Make sure the audience is challenged. Because otherwise, why are we doing it? If we're not going to learn anything, if we're not going to um, go from point A to point B all the way to Z with a show from any of those perspectives, you know, why do it? Then we might as well just go and watch the latest Marvel movie. Um, and then inform. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting weird. But, you know. you got a serious um, side wow. eye from Sam there. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with Marvel movies? <laughs> nothing but they're they're sheer entertainment there's not a lot there to challenge you um (laughs) and then i think with the challenge i think you've got to inform people on something um they don't have to agree with you sure um matter of fact it's probably better if they don't because then they've at least got to think about it Mm -hmm. um you know and then entertainment 
if people are entertained by a show like this, great. But if they walk out and go, uh, I don't care to ever see this one again. Right. And it's not because we haven't done the work and we haven't done our due diligence, but if it's just that it's not a show for them, then that's okay. Yeah. No, you I know. totally get that. I mean, I'm watching Schindler's List or something like that, it's like I can tell that it was very moving when I watched it, but I don't ever want to go through that experience ever again. No, and I think, that movie. I, I think that's okay. I don't think you have to go for the laughs. I mean, there are laughs in the show. There's some really funny moments in the show, but that's not what the show's about. Yeah. What else fits in this wheelhouse as far as uh, um, challenging you? Well, I've done True West, but that was a huge, big challenge because that's really taking characters that are seriously flawed and letting them become even more flawed. Um, <laughs> Oedipus Rex. There's, I don't think you get any more flawed character than, you know, let's, we've murdered dad and we're going to marry mom and, you know, agree to banish whoever actually did those horrible deeds and then actually go through with it. Uh, so those are two things like um, another show that I've done that I would love another crack at is some things you need to know before the world ends a final evening with the Illuminati. More than that's the whole not title. I'm familiar with that at all. Um, <laughs> where it's it's all set post-apocalyptic and these two guys where you're not sure if they actually are priests or if they're just playing at being priests and. Um, looking at what life is and what life should be and what life used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and the audience will laugh and giggle all the way through that show. And at the end, you're like, oh, I feel yucky for laughing at all of these things because nothing in the show is nice. <laughs> 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 you know? Um, That's the same feeling I get from watching Tropic Thunder, actually. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Like, you, know, um, you know, you can go through it and, you know... Um, it was nice to have um, the folks there at Stageworks, you know, offer me a few good men because it is kind of in that wheelhouse of let's make everybody a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. and challenge. Um, you know, I like putting silence in my shows because it makes the audience go, what's going on? Why is no one saying anything? Um, and actors really hate that, too. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. I, I love you're it. one of the few actors I've worked with who's like, I'm like, you I'm can I'm going to take my that. time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Sam, on yeah. the other hand, I had we had to. The first time I made him do it in a show was not was not comfortable yeah, I, I at all. It. I, I had to, I, she actually had to count it out for me because it's uh, when you're you're on stage, everything's always timing is always off. So I had to be told, okay, now you can go, and I was like, okay, now now that I have my timing down. Yeah. And now, every once in a while, I'll find those moments where, ooh, you know what would be good here? Nothing. Just absolute <laughs> silence. And it's weird to work with people that don't like that because they think, did you drop your line? No, you didn't. You're acting. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. So, yeah. It's fun. No. I mean, I, I, I like to take my time and try to think of what the character's thinking. Because, I mean, these, these things on the page are not... They come from somewhere. And, yeah. And, and you have to sort of go through that process to get to where they are in that moment. And well, the, in an, and scripts are not good at explaining those moments. Yeah. You know, they're just the recipe. Right. Yeah, we got to follow every word in the script, but it's just the recipe. Every time you get a different group of actors and a different director, it's going to come out slightly differently sure. and should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's not, they're not cookie cutters. They're the recipe so that you can get to the cookie cutter <laughs> at that point. 
Like the Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I'm a big fan of, and no, I think no, I've I seen like, every single have, one of them. I have but... not seen every single one of them, and I, I need to turn in my, my geek card, but um, but I, I enjoy the ones I've seen. So, Anyway, um, Sam, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to watch you grow into the role of Colonel Nathan Jessup. Yeah. It scares me a bit. It scares uh, me a bit too. Yeah, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you did to prepare, and and maybe what you did from different from other characters you've portrayed? Uh, this character is different from other most of the characters that I played because they're sort of. Uh, I don't think I've ever played anybody quite as one direction as Jessup because he's he's right even if the rest of the world is wrong and he believes that. And he'll 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 fight you to the end to prove that he's right, and um, I think I, I getting ready for it. It was most of the characters that I play. I usually start off with a voice, and uh, to have them speak from. And it took me a while because I I would try different things in my head, and some just flat out didn't work, and I didn't like. And then finally. Uh, thank God the Avengers came out Infinity Wars and uh, I, I the Marvel I, yeah. theme podcast yeah. uh, no I mean yeah, they're not paying me so but just, that, <laughs> just that just the whole this Thanos in general he was he, I just like he's he's right but he's wrong yep. and, and like so like so was Jessup and so I, I kind of took that that whole just the way he stares at people and kind of ingrained that into Jessup a little bit and, and sort of built it off of that and of course, you know, you add things like a gravelly voice and the way you hold yourself on stage, just walking into a room and even making eye contact with other people on stage. Which you all like to that. do with I, him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I held that stare in, in, in rehearsal for the longest time. And, and I think it was like maybe the night before we opened that I realized, no, that's wrong. I got I to gotta, I gotta look at the floor. Got to look at the floor. Yeah. I got to look at the floor. He's got to defeat me here. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, but it was fun. I mean, you, you, you find things like that to do with your fellow actors and you see what they're going to play off of and how they're going to play off of it. And you make some really good moments. Like I, I enjoy those moments where I stare at you from across the courtroom and then you have to eventually look away because you know I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and you nobody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those, those moments are fun. I find that um, Jessup is not the polar opposite of of uh, Kathy so much as he's sort of the polar opposite of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I and can. And in, in that we're both, you know, we're both, and I should have unplugged that phone, but um, <laughs> we're... we're we're both very sure of our point of view. Um, we go in ap- just sort of these opposite directions as far as, it, I mean, you know, Sam is like, okay, bullying and, and the whole, the means never justify the end. And I think that for Jessup, it's, it's, it's the opposite. The end does justify the means. If protecting mm-hmm. the country means somebody has to die in my own unit or get moved away or somehow disposed of, then... Gosh, that's sad, but, you know, and at the it's, end of the day... Yeah, it's for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, just And I think, I think it's in that moment where you're staring Sam down is, is like, the only time where he feels, oh, well, maybe he is right. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there, were, there were times when I, I would catch myself agreeing with Jessup, and then I, I'd snap out of it and say, no, that's... 
you know, because I, I, I do have the capacity to be compassionate. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't care. Uh, you heard it here care. first, folks. <laughs> Sam Martinez has the capacity to be compassionate. Yeah, no. but it's 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 kind You're of a big softy. Yeah, really I, yeah. Anybody that, like, who really knows you, I have cats. You have cats so. that you love. It's true. Yeah, um, uh, no, but I, I I would find myself agreeing with him because I'm like, yeah, if you want if you want if you want peace, you have to go to war. It's an ugly truth, but. Yeah. You know, it's one of those ugly things that has to be done. And that's, I think that was probably why uh, somebody had asked me if I had any military experience. And I was like, no, but my, my, my brother uh, went to Desert Storm both times. I have cousins all around that, uh, that are in the Army and uh, the Navy and Marines. My grandfather was in the Army. My, all of my uncles were in the Army. And when it came time for... Uh, me to make a decision either I was going to go into th- do theater or um, or join the military my my dad and my mom looked at me and said well you know you don't have my dad said you, we they did it so you wouldn't have to but my mom was like I don't want you to go uh, because I don't want you to have to make that decision so mm-hmm. uh, I kind of reevaluated things and, kind of, and just kind of backed off of it and you know steered myself towards school and theater and that's you know, it was fortunate, and I always knew that one day I would, you know, hopefully get a chance to play somebody in the military because that would be my nice little homage to them, those that came before me, to mm-hmm. say, hey, I appreciate what you did. So, Are there things you admire about Jessup that are specifically? Uh, I admire his courage to, to stay that course and say, you know, I did this thing, and I did it for you. Uh, you know, thanks, but, you know, no thanks. Um, I, I, and he still, you know, he, and he, he, he'll do it. He'll do it a thousand times. You know, you can, you can give him a little time machine and he'll go back and he'll do the same moment over and over again because he believes he's right. And I admire that about him. So. Okay. So fret worthy five. Fret worthy five. This is the this is the part of the show where I ask you sort of random things that have nothing to do with theater, and um, <laughs> we're gonna call this the special Star Wars edition. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Because <laughs> you're both huge uh, Star Wars huge fans, huge Star yeah. Wars fans, and um, I, I think their fandom could use some positivity right now. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Solo, go see it. Yes. I have not seen Solo. Yet. Uh, yeah, it, it'd be every, there was a whole buzz that every, it was going to be terrible. And even I bought into it, but I was going to see it because it's Star Wars. It's yeah. part of the, you know, the, the, the legend. And when I, I walked out of that movie, I go, wow, that was a really good movie. That was really good. And then it didn't suck at all. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I told fun. everybody, yeah, go see it. It's a fun, it, it really is a fun, good movie. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, but uh, fun fact to know and learn if you haven't worked with Deb before. <laughs> I don't know how many Star Wars t-shirts you have. 53. 50, you, 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 you have I know that. Now. I know that. Yeah. 53. That doesn't count Christmas. Doesn't count my Christmas T-shirts. Your, your Christmas Star Wars <laughs> T-shirt. Correct. Are we talking like sweater, like no, ugly like just, sweater no, ones with no, the ad ads on them? No, no, I haven't gone to the sweaters because okay. we can't wear sweaters. But I have. Wow, that's. I true. probably have a half a dozen or so. 
and it always Yoda's with like a Santa cap on. Yoda's with Santa cap. I got okay. a R two D two with Christmas lights. I've got Darth Vader driving the sleigh with the adats pulling. That's cool. Yeah, that doesn't count toward your five, by the way. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Darth. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay. So here we. Well, what I was gonna say is 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 um, Deb wears a different Star Wars T shirt every rehearsal. And yeah. I don't think you've repeated it more than like maybe once or twice. Yeah, and that's usually if I just forget <laughs> that I'm out of sequence. <laughs> I do that for my classes at the college too. I different one for the whole semester. That is fantastic. Because students will be like, I was gonna skip class today, but I gotta see what Star Wars t shirt you're wearing. <laughs> and if it well, gets if it gets them there, then hey, you know. Gosh, that's incentive to go. <laughs> that's okay. All right, here we go. Priority five. What is the best Star Wars movie outside the original trilogy? And this is, this is obviously... Outside the original? Out, outside, you okay. know, what uh, we used to call Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. Okay, so probably Rogue One is the best. Yeah. The best overall. Structurally, it's fantastic. Um, It probably connects in the best. Right, because mm-hmm. it leads right into Right, it, and, and just... it. It still follows, there's not a lot of, let's kind of reboot and forget that we mentioned other things before, um, where, cause some of episode one, two, and three kind of goes, yeah, yeah, I know we said that, but we want to change it up. Right. And, yes. yeah. the, the, the end of, uh, the solo movie kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I'm not going to say what happens, but it kind of like, it, it made me go back in my head and like, no, wait, did that, when did that happen? Wait, Dar- wait, no, yeah. that's yeah. not right. That's got to be somewhere else. And so I'm, I'm sitting here and I actually had to ask Deb, where in the timeline does this story take place? And I know it had to take place before New... It had definitely had to take place before New Hope. But was it far enough back that it took place before Phantom Menace? Yeah, it's, it's going to have to. Uh, I could, well, well, that would be Han Solo really Solo old. Solo that old? Well, he but can't then, be that but, old. But, but, well, it depends. It depends if you want to include in all the Clone Wars stuff, then potentially it could happen during the Clone Wars time. We're oh, talking about the animated cartoons? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it depends on how nerdy you want to get with it. I could see it happening during the Clone Wars, but I, I'm, I'm still not convinced. Because yeah. if it happened during the Clone Wars, then the end... Yes, but you have to watch all the Clone Wars in order to understand that. <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil it, but no, yeah. I appreciate it. Okay, but yes. yeah, there's 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 something that happens at the end. And everybody goes, "What the hell?" And I was like, "No, that can't be right." And yeah, crap. Now yeah. I gotta go see this. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You have yes, to go it's see for it. the last thirty seconds. And when okay. you yeah, well, I mean, watch the whole movie, but right. yeah, specifically right. the last thirty seconds of the movie. Sure. Uh, yeah. But if you're super nerdy like my nephew, who has watched all of the Clone Wars. <laughs> And all of the other animateds, yeah. it makes perfect sense to him that it would happen during the Clone Wars. Okay, I've seen the Clone. I've seen all the Clone Wars, even the the one where, where there wasn't any dialogue in them. I've seen I've seen all of them, but I don't. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. And if you say it's right, then I guess yeah. I, have to, I have to live with it. But I just <laughs> I, I'm still you know gonna say no. Okay. <laughs> So Rogue One. Rogue One. Rogue One. If I can't yeah. say Empire, then it's Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to have to agree with both of them if you can't say Empire. Because Empire was just, even on its own, Empire was just a great movie. Yeah. I still think that last scene is probably one of the most moving scenes outside of uh, the end of the Eris. 
the movie The Heiress with uh, Olivia de Havilland, yeah. where it's it's she's Montgomery Cliff. Montgomery Cliff, and he's uh he's he's banging on the door, you know, please let me in, please let me in, and mm-hmm. she's just quietly walking around the room, turning every light in the room out, mm-hmm. and you see her walk up the stairs with this candle, and the camera kind of follows her a bit, and just she just rounds the corner and he's going nuts banging on the door and it's just like a, it's a great piece of if you've ever seen the movie watch the entire movie but specifically for that scene and that that had the same impact that the end of Empire did with me because I was like which is why was, I want to direct that play yeah, as well there was so much uncertainty with that, the end of Empire but you know there was also hope are we yeah. talking about the Empire the, Striketh Back? No. <laughs> no, the Eras. The play The Eras. Oh, okay. The play The Eras. Like, which, yeah. which predates the movie, but... Yeah, okay. by at least a millennia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Eras yeah, the is... A, <laughs> the Eras is a really... It's a great read. It's a great... It was a great film, and it's a great play, too. And I think... I, I saw it in... I saw actually saw it in New York, and I didn't realize that I was watching The Eras the era with Cherry Jones. And until somebody told me that's Sherry Jones, and I was like, "Who?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't care who she is; she's amazing." <laughs> and then I learned later on who who, who she was, but it, it really was it was a it was a great it was a great great show, and that was one of the things that stuck with me uh, in my head through New, the entire time I was in New York. It was just a great show, probably one of the best ones I'd ever seen. So. Now that we've totally gotten off Star Wars. No, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I went on a tangent. We can, we can go back to it. It's, it's okay. Cool. Uh, what piece of the expanded universe do you wish Disney had kept? Oh. Mm, Not old, that I have any idea the what old you're Republic, be talking All about. the Old Republic stuff. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, I yeah. think, would have been would have been nice to keep. You want, I want to go back and see all of the other, all the other bad guys. Okay, so for the uninitiated, can you... Expand on that piece of the expanded universe. Darth Revan. Yeah, it's it's um, everything that. How when you pick up episode one, the Phantom Menace, like everything is kind of settled, and the Sith are all kind of put to bed. Nobody thinks they've been around mm-hmm. um, for a good long time. For a good long time. So the the all the old Republic stuff is back when the Jedi and the Sith were at it constantly. Oh, yeah. Wow, that why, sounds cool. It's probably it's probably why the reason that they just the Sith decided okay. There's the here's the rule. There's a master and there's an apprentice, and that's it. Because it, so it got crazy. It got it. It gets nasty. It gets real nasty real fast. And but I I I'd, I'd like to see that on film or even even animated. I know that there's a lot of video games that have, that that have the little animated scenes, but I I would just love to see. Thirty or forty Sith Lords just come running out of out of the darkness with <laughs> the red lightsabers, you know, just wiping out the Jedi. The black lightsabers. lightsabers. That's what you want. The dark crystal lightsabers. Oh, right. oh yeah, the, okay. yeah, the dark. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the super dark nerdy. Yeah, that's that's sound, super that nerdy. That's awesome. really nerdy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I, I know little. I, I know very little about that. It's like my answer would have been Grand, Ad- Grand Admiral Thrawn, but that's like because <laughs> that's that's literally all I know about you know was those those three books. Yeah, there's a there's it, there there's I'm glad that they're kind of not doing the whole gray Jedi thing because it kind of defeats the purpose of the light side and the dark side. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, I, I, you know, call me Sith, but you know, I believe in absolutes. You're either good or you're not. There, there's no, I'm no, there are no, there's no in betweens. So, that's just how Is I feel Jessup about it. Is Jessup a Sith? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <Big time. laughs> 
Yeah, and it's Kendrick's his apprentice. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> He's a Sith Lord. Yeah. No. Yeah, there's no. Actually, <laughs> no. Is uh, that going to be the newest version of A Few Good Men? Yeah, the Star Wars the Star edition. Wars. <laughs> yeah, Austin's going to. If I don't mention this, I've, I've I've known Austin. He plays Kendrick. Yeah. I've known Austin for a little while, and the first time I met him was at uh, one of the. Um, Festivals of Originals, uh, another theater, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was good, and he, he but he was raw, and he just kind of didn't. Nobody really took a chance on him. Nobody really gave him the opportunity to 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 do things, and so I, I saw this kid, and I knew he was capable of a lot more. Yeah. So the next show I directed was Dogs He's God, and I said I said to him, I said, Hey, why don't you come and audition for me? Why don't come come with me? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you through put you through some paces. So it was kind of like he became my apprentice. And we joked about it. Nice. And then there's another, his, his roommate is actually kind of mad at me. He goes, well, anytime he messed up, he goes, well, that's your apprentice. That's your legacy. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, he's still a work in progress. Give me, give me a break. But he's actually, he's, he stepped up a, a huge amount. He's mm-hmm. every time he works on a show, I notice he, he grows every time and he gets better and better. Yeah. Uh, but I know there's going to probably be, probably be a day where I'm going to have to strike him down. So... <laughs> The day you guys um, both audition oh for the God. same role. When we both audition for the same role. When you role get both called and, back for the same role. Uh, yeah, then, I'm going to have to. Watch out, Austin. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Yes. You know. <laughs> My money will be on you. <laughs> you won't know what hit him. No, I. I Darth I, Martinez is coming. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always. I don't always. I don't tell him everything. I always keep a few tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> Just for that reason, I don't oh, teach them every. You don't. You don't teach the apprentice everything. You just give them enough till they come into their own, and then when they think they're getting too big for their britches, you strike them down, yeah. and you build them back up again. So, okay. like, what do we learn? <laughs> that's, that's that's amazing. Austin Austin is fantastic in this too. So yeah, he's he's I really would, good. Yeah, and it would be, love his Kendrick. Yeah, and he's so different from that character, yeah. which makes it all the more fun to watch mm-hmm. him just be nuts on stage <laughs> so which star wars character are you like and, and why or most like and why most like <laughs> most similar to oh that's tricky i i'd say i'm probably probably more like obi-wan i know that's going to get to what i, I say or, or either obi-wan or r2d2 <laughs> nobody understands me i'm kind of just always there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the glue that holds everything together. together yeah, right. yeah, I get. Yeah, there, there's that there too. Go. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I guess I'm R two. Mm. Is R two always swearing under? You know, I think. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah that's, that's part of why they're bleeping him out half the time. <laughs> yeah, and he always has that one friend who's gonna. He tries to keep him on the straight and narrow, but he doesn't know. Doesn't doesn't always it work. Does, out. No, it does not work. <laughs> You've, well, you've you've read the uh, the the Shakespeare versions of, of yeah these I have plays right yeah I, I love how R two D two has soliloquies <laughs> and he makes like the most sense out of everyone yeah. <laughs> he's the only one that really knows what's going on exactly because his memory didn't get wiped at the end of um, uh, what is it Revenge of the Sith thank you <laughs> <laughs> why would you wipe both of their memories. I, there's no reason why yeah, R two R two can actually keep a secret and keep his mouth shut. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, yeah, and nobody understands him anyways. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things I, I noticed that's neat about Star Wars is like they could be speaking in a completely different language, and then the other character will respond in English. 
and and everybody understands each other, and it's, that's yeah. fine. They yeah. make reference to that in, in the Solo movie where, where Han Solo and Chewie actually talk to one another, and you hear uh, Han Solo speak uh, speak Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's exactly how you imagine it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, no, now I know what I'm doing after after we get done. There you go. Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you say uh, who you would be? No, well, I'm trying to think. I, like, in some ways, I'm really Darth Vader because I want it my way and only my way, and it's going to be my way no matter what. And don't disappoint me because I will choke you out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Admiral Piet's the only one who ever survived. So, you know, um, I don't know what that says, but... Um, <laughs> Merely because he was too disappointed to choke him. Exactly. He's like, uh, you know what? It's, no, <laughs> never mind. It's, never mind. Just never forget mind. it. Um, no, I think there's a lot of that in me. Um, but, you know, because I've got to be right. Yeah. As, and especially if I'm the director, then I have to be right, even if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Like, no matter, even if I make a wrong choice, it has to be right. Yeah. Um, in my personal life, I'm probably much more on solo. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of fly by the seat of my pants and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right. Ewoks. Cute <laughs> saviors of the rebellion or uh, evil marketing ploy? At the time, I think they were probably a marketing ploy. Well, no. You know and why You know why the, it was Ewoks and not Wookiees, right? It was literally they didn't have the funds and they didn't know how to do it. Like it was the whole plan was that was supposed to take place <laughs> with a Wookiee battle. Oh wow! I didn't yeah, know no, it was supposed mm. to be a whole Wookiee battle, and um, that was what originally was planned. And then, literally, budget cuts from what I've read. So they literally cut, cut the budget. Cut in half. <laughs> budget I heard half it coming. By... I heard the yes. joke coming, and I couldn't stop yes. it. <laughs> now back now back in you know you know. The 80s, when that came out, they were adorable. And they had their own TV show even for a while. Yes, I remember this. Which There were two specials yes. and, and an animated series. An animated series, which, yes, I have, yeah. Um, VHS copies of. <laughs> I, duplicate copies. I only have a VHS of those. I have, I have of the original Star Wars episodes. I have every release that's ever been done, including on Laserdisc. Including the holiday special i do not have the holiday special which is probably good yeah. yeah it was terrible i couldn't watch more than five minutes of it. yeah i i i thought i have an I, audio I, recording of it but i don't have no, a, I, I, I don't I, have the video i don't think you can actually find it anymore unless no you can, it's on it was on youtube for a while there was yeah. no i think there's a whole website that's dedicated to it yeah but like you can't yeah. you can't just go say oh hey i want to you know no no the, the there was there was a whole the whole episode was on youtube for a while because I, I i searched for those kinds of things and I, I, five minutes in, I'm like, I, I feel like I should be high for this. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, and the it people was... at the time knew it was terrible. And... What, the, what, the, what's her name? The uh, B. Arthur, from yes. the Golden Girl. Yes. Yes. As B. Arthur came in, and it was like, okay, I'm I was ready. like, wow, I'm this done. is, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Well, but it was the first time that anybody tried on any of that kind of stuff, where you take a movie and like, let's see, can we spin it off into something for television? And clearly, it did not work. Right, you know. But Lucas was willing to try just about anything, and that right. was the nice thing about him owning all the rights at the time. They could do whatever, yeah, he whatever floats their boat. I don't know what you're talking about. Place. I celebrate Life Day every. Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
How many different tangents can we go yes. on? Yeah. <laughs> I count five. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're almost done with. Um, do you have a favorite Star Wars parody? Um, Hardware Wars, actually. Hardware Wars. I saw it's, it in elementary school classic. right after... It would have been, but it would have been between Star Wars and Empire, and I don't know how at the time schools got these things, but I actually saw it in school on one of those sixteen millimeter oh, projectors. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm that old. From the what during the AV club meeting. Or yeah, something. what I, I mean, it was right. like yeah. literally, I would have been in, I would have been in fifth grade, and I remember seeing it there, and I was like, oh. And then when I was in college, I found a VHS of it. Right. And I was like, oh my god, I have to have. <laughs> There's nothing better than a toaster going flying across the I know. Screen. The thing is, it, it is iron. hysterical. And there was a special edition of it at one time, too. I don't, I don't have a special edition of that one. Oh, you got oh I'm going to find that now. eBay, here we come. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think um, it's, it's going to be it's a toss-up between uh, Pulp Friction. And oh, I don't know uh, that one. Pulp Friction. It was, uh, somebody took Pulp Fiction and replaced all the characters with Star Wars characters. So Vincent and um, uh, Julius are played by Boba Fett and Darth Maul. Oh, sweet! And Mia Wallace is played plays uh, played by Amidala, and um, I forget who played. I think um, Marcellus Wallace is. Uh, I think he's played by Jabba. Uh, but it's, it's that one, and of course Spaceballs. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that was uh, probably growing up. Play. That was probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Putting, <laughs> and see, I didn't like that. I was like, "What are you doing, making fun of my movie?" Yeah, come on, comb the desert. <laughs> I know. He said, still... "We're combing the desert. We're combing the desert." Yes. I love it, and I'm a huge fan of <laughs> Galaxy Quest too. Yeah, everything, <laughs> yeah. everything they did to Star Trek, and it's just I don't know, but um, but yeah, people thought I wouldn't like that, and like, no, this is hysterical. What are you talking about? Um, you've both seen Troops, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of the yeah. some of the robot chicken stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the robot chicken stuff, and of course the the Family Guy episodes with. Blue, yeah, Blue I've Harvard. never seen those. They're worth watching once, and then you get well, you kind of go. <laughs> yeah, okay. the the first one, the first the first one was good. The second one was was okay. We 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 did this, and then even in the third one, they even said, oh, "Okay, let's just get this over with." <laughs> <laughs> so. And then at the very end, they, they talk about doing the the, uh, the prequels, and then Peter's like, no. <laughs> so. But there is nothing better than the chicken as Boba Fett, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken is Boba Fett. I think my favorite one is um, well, where um, uh, Ahmed Best comes back to voice Jar Jar Binks, and um, uh, Darth Vader throws him out of an airlock. <laughs> And and wakes up in the middle of the night and 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 then suddenly he's like, oh, Annie, I'm all sparkly, glowy now. We'll be together forever, Annie. <laughs> yeah, I I I activate a lightsaber in my mouth. <laughs> but then you just become a force ghost too, and that yeah. is, you, there's no escape. No, uh, no, it, no. If you, Darth Darth Vader was a Sith, he hadn't redeemed himself yet, oh, so he okay. would just right. he would just yeah. die. Fair and, enough. And so <laughs> I thought this just, through. He'd just, be, he'd just be a melted helmet in the next movie. <laughs> um, okay, so that's five questions, but I really. Uh, I really it. want to ask a bonus one. Go for, Go for it. it. Yeah. Go okay. For it. Yeah. All right. So this is a first on the fretworthy five. We're actually doing a sixth, but 
Well, there's six real episodes. Who the hell is Snoke? He kind of just came out of nowhere. And he kind of yeah. left without explanation. Yeah, I, they, they built him up that he was going to be the big bad, but then, you know, hey, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen, <laughs> if you haven't seen what happens to it, it. It's, it's kind of your own fault, so go... Go jump in the lake. Well, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's been out for what eight months now. Yeah, yeah. so there. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, if after three weeks you don't, you haven't seen it. You're not a Star Wars fan, so you deserve to have it spoiled for you. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Well, I'm. I appreciate you um, keeping your mouth shut for Solo. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin. But by the time, yeah, I don't want to ruin for anybody. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, he just out of nowhere, and then and then he's gone. Yeah, but and, and he kind of went out like a punk too. Yeah, yeah. but it was, it, I was okay with that. I, I kind of wasn't no. because we're we're not attached to him. Like he really he's set up to be the big bad, but he's not the big bad. Yeah, he wants to be a puppet master, but <laughs> your your puppets just cut their own string. So yeah. you know, hey, too bad. And you too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right now I'm not I'm not a fan of all the conspiracy theories about that it's Mace Windu and yeah, all of yeah, that. Like, I heard I'd that. Like, I was like, no, like, no, I can't be, it can't be right. No, but all those conspiracies. Both his hands. <laughs> I was I was actually kind of disappointed to find out that he was a normal sized guy. <laughs> you remember, like in the, the first yeah, one, he's like, like he's kind of like a Wizard one, of Oz. He's, like, he's got like hello. you know, oh, yeah. he's you know, he's this giant hologram, right? Yeah. I, I just assumed that was yeah. you know actual size hologram, and he had or that Golda Golame robe. Yeah, we'll see. That was the Whoa. first problem. Yeah, he had Golame, and then he had house slippers. <laughs> I, I can't be scared of a guy. That... <laughs> well, it's probably best that he got you know, yeah, yeah. cut in half then. Yeah. That's... But that was it was it was a great scene, but I kinda was kind of disappointed that you know, you you the original trilogy built it up that, you know, there was there was the one who embodies all that is, you know, the dark side. And then it turns out he's he's not. He's just this whiny kid. Yeah. Well, it can't. I'm. I'm still. You know, they're gonna have to really pull it together on the last episode. The yeah. next There's, episode. It's. It's gonna have to just come down to Kylo versus. Ray. Versus Ray. And yeah. that's. And mm -hmm. I'm okay with that if that's what they do. No, like, that's we don't. Fine. We don't need the big bad because mm -hmm. I think it's probably better to go back to be, a story of two people as opposed yeah. to. Yeah. And I kind of like them leaving Ray's. Background open. I'm tired of hearing that she's Obi she's Obi Wan's granddaughter. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't no. buy that. With. And I was like, no, 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 no. Why can't she just be, you know? Well, because we see the little kid with the broom, like who just yeah miraculously has the force. So why can't she just have spontaneously? Yeah, the the end of that episode was the the last one was kind of hard for me because that that was, I think you would you had said this that, that was the handoff that was us having to have hand over Star Wars to the younger generation but yeah. Yeah. But, but I also wanted to say hey don't screw this up yeah. yeah, please don't don't do something stupid like I don't know like have a uh, rebel decoder rings <sighs> yeah <laughs> I am really interested to see how they get rid of Princess Leia though or yeah. General get rid Leia of her. well because <laughs> they well, it, we would have all been prepared yeah, for was... for the character to to go away during the next the one. Yeah, that you was know. supposed yeah. to be her story, her send-off. 
Right. Whereas this past one was Luke's and the one before that was Han's. But it would have, it you know, and I'm yeah. surprised they didn't tweak it. And, you know, I it makes me sad that Carrie Fisher isn't here anymore. But it's like, are we just going to, like, like how are we going to skip are over they just that? Gonna, yeah, I think they're just going to glad, gonna, they're like, hey, in the, in the crawl, hey, you know, Princess Leia's dead. 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 Right. But Which is going to kind of feel like we've been cheated. Yeah. Because I'd really hoped when she... Well, they probably need to do a side story, you know. Rose and uh, Ray take like this, basically this galactic road trip to <laughs> to send off Leia's ashes somewhere, <laughs> like Thelma and Louise. Yeah, only I think that would be <laughs> in a land speeder. I, yeah. I was uh, when the Force the Force Awakens came out. I wasn't ready to see Han Solo get it the way he got it. I was not. I was not prepared. No. Oh, I knew but I was, somebody. I was very happy. I was. I was totally okay with it. I, I was. I, I knew it was going to be somebody, but I didn't. I was like, no. If it, but if it would have been Chewy, oh, they would have been yeah. riding in the streets. Yeah. But Han Solo got it. I'm like, no, it can't <laughs> but be. It, but it had to be because I it's know, a father son story. It's I, always yeah. been a father son story. Right. So you got to give it to dad. It's true. Okay, we're going to take a pause for a bit after the break. We will talk to Deb and Sam about acting and directing in general. You're listening to Strutting and Fretting, and we'll be right back. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. Things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com. Welcome back to Strutting and Fretting. I'm talking with fellow cast members Sam Martinez and director Jeffrey Schultz for A Few Good Men. No, you, you mispronounced my name. It's Master Thespian oh, Sam Martinez. Oh, right. Let me go back and do that. <laughs> Welcome back to Strutting and Fretting. I'm talking with fellow cast member Master Thespian Sam Martinez uh, and director Deborah Schultz for really A Few is Good a Men. Dick. <laughs> That's what they're going to say, buddy. The guy really is a dick. <laughs> Um, so, uh, just for both of you, um, and this is, this is, this is kind of the part of the show where I ask people about their origin stories. Um, why theater and, and where did you start? You want to go first? Uh, I don't care. Go ahead. You like talking, so. (laughs) Thanks. About you specifically. Uh, Well, of course. (laughs) The best subject there is. Um, well, (laughs) mine goes way, way, way back. (laughs) So galaxy like, far, far away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> like in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, when I was three and a half, the doctor looked at my mom and said, um, it's time to either make a decision between ballet class or braces on my legs. Because um, I was just that hyperextended and that bow-legged and all sorts of pigeon-toed and the whole bit. My mom said ballet class, which just never stopped. And so I actually... When I got to college, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be a dance major. Like, that's not what I want to do. That's fine. That's lovely. You know, I paid for a lot of college by teaching dance. But what I really wanted to do was be an astrophysics major. Oh, cool. So I entered as a freshman as an astrophysics major, and I was the only female major in the entire program. Just old enough that that was not a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in that part of the world. 
and but I kept finding myself over in the fine arts building. Uh-huh. I had much more in common with um, the students over there, and I took an introduction to theater class, and just to get my arts credit out of the way. And they said, "Hey, we have you know a couple of shows coming up this semester," and. One of them was HMS Pinafore, which I had done in high school. Mm-hmm. The only time, by the time I was a senior, they had never done a show at my high school. And they did one. And so I was part of the Gilbert, that Gilbert and Sullivan piece. I was like, hey, I've done it. Let me go audition. Well, I missed the audition because it was for all the opera students. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have failed miserably anyway. <laughs> but there was a little show called Quilters that they were auditioning for. Seven women. You play something like 87 characters in the oh, show. Wow. Um and I know I got cast just because they needed an extra body. And they were like, oh, you can dance. And you can sort of carry a tune. And, oh, yeah, you can read. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got put in the show, and instantly they were like, well, not only can you just dance, but you can dance. Like, instant dance captain. They're like, that choreography doesn't fit there, and the choreographer can't be back for three more days. Can you fix it? And so I started in doing musicals, mostly because I could dance. Um, And then finally, I got the opportunity to choreograph a show at college. And that was like, oh my goodness, this is the be all end all. And then the gentleman who ended up being my mentor, um, cast me in West Side Story after seeing me do that and said, you know, you really need to not do this acting thing. You need to take what you're doing with the choreography mm. and spin that off. He said, because you choreograph like a director directs. And I was like, okay. And so I took a directing course and went, this is it. I don't care if I ever on stage again. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the whole time I was always worried about the big picture. Never the, the individual picture. And as an actor, you got to worry about your picture. Right. And as a director and choreographer, you got to worry about the picture for everybody. So, you know, what started off going to ballet class ended up being 46 shows at this point, something like that, that I've directed. Oh, wow. Everything from, and that doesn't include any of the shorts, but everything from children's theater mm-hmm. up to what we're doing now. Um, my, I guess, story started when I was in elementary school. Uh, they took us on a field trip to go see uh, Shakespeare at um, Miller Miller Outdoor Theater. And I think it was Romeo and Juliet. And I remember sitting at the top of the hill watching this play from, from really far back. And everybody, all the other kids were just rolling down the hill having a great time. And I remember watching this and I, I said, I don't understand a word they're saying, but I know it's beautiful and I have to try this. So uh, we get back to the class, and the next day the teacher says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put on a play." And the way that everybody the parts got picked was the class got to vote on who got what part. So I was <laughs> that's just mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. This is, this is dodgeball <laughs> casting. This is yeah. This is this is bulk of my first casting. Uh, I was really believe it. Or not, I was really quiet. My my parents were concerned a little bit about me because I didn't say a whole lot. And which is a huge contrast to now, but uh, I didn't wasn't popular in the class, so I didn't get the lead role. Uh, so it came down to me and this other little girl, um, and we were gonna play. We had to play the we were the chef, the cooks uh, in the castle, and we had one line and we had to share it. And um, <laughs> I still remember the line, 
uh, the, the story is that the prince is sick and uh, he has this cat and um, the king calls for uh, chicken soup for the prince. And so uh, I, I practice my line like religiously for the for the next week and a half, just going over the line. Is, your chicken soup, your majesty. Your chicken soup, your majesty. Your chicken soup, your majesty. All these different ways of, that I was going to say the line. And um, so the day finally comes that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the show, and the, of course parents are all there. And uh, the little girl that was I was supposed to share the line with and, and carry this big bowl of chicken soup. It was like a comic. It was huge. It was a giant bowl. I had to wrap my arms around it eventually because the little girl that was I was supposed to share the line with got scared and started crying. So while my teacher is dealing with her, with this little girl that's crying, she turns to me and says, Sam, do you got this? And I looked at her and I said, I got it. So I turned and I'm about to walk on and I'm walking out on stage holding this big bowl of like confetti to be chicken soup and I'm walking out on stage and I remember looking out in the audience and all the parents were there and I just snapped and I said your majesty I have brought your chicken soup for sooth and I did this big huge bow and I set it down in front of me and I bowed backwards walking backwards on my way out and I did this big huge bow on my way out as I was leaving and the parents just lost it uh, and so I got off stage and my teacher looked at me and she said, what the hell was that? And I said, I don't know, but it was magic. <laughs> so from then on, I didn't, I didn't do theater again until uh, high school. And I was so excited because I, I knew that once I got to high school, I, I could take theater and it was something I looked forward to. And during that time, uh, my dad worked at U of H, he worked maintenance. And he would always bring me books because he didn't, my dad never believes, doesn't believe in throwing away books. And he would give me books and he would, uh, you know, these, these are college books. And I'm in middle school and elementary school reading these books about, about you know, theater because that's what I wanted. And, of course, there was a, the occasional, you know, uh, astronomy or mathematics books that I would take a look through and just kind of like, oh, no. I'm, but I still have this, I still have this copy of, uh, of, the, of Shakespeare that my dad gave me that the, these these. I think they're, I think they're either, when they move out of the dorms, they just leave all this crap there. Mm -hmm. And my dad still has some of these books and he would give me some of them to read. And uh, I was excited because in, in middle school, I knew that in high school I could take drama. So uh, high school rolls around and I took drama all, all throughout high school. And uh, there was uh, this audition posting for AMDA, uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York. And I was like, I'm going to audition. And during that time, <laughs> during this time that I'm going through high school, it was my senior year, uh, we were going to do Grease, uh, but it got pulled for some reason. And we didn't, I didn't find this out until later on. But uh, the next show that got slided was uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And I didn't, I didn't sing at all. And I, I danced a little bit, but it, but it wasn't enough to carry me through. But the director says, OK, you're going to you're going to play the dentist. And I was like, great. OK, so I learned I would listen to the music and, and I somebody tried to hand me sheet music and I looked at it like I can't read this. So I just listened to the soundtrack over and over again. And and, and I was like, yeah, I like this. This musical theater thing is great. Awesome. So uh, and then the audition came around for AMDA and I got picked and I didn't have time to really uh, after I graduated high school, I, two weeks afterwards, I was in New York. Uh, studying theater and uh, I did 
I studied everything. I studied dance. I started music, and then I really kind of wanted to do musical theater. And here's where it went wrong. Uh, I yeah, this is where I turned to the dark side. And I, this is where, the, if you want to know why I'm so jilted, this is this is the story. Okay. So. Uh, uh, we heard that they were auditioning for, for Greece, and I was like, oh, well, th- I was going to do that in high school. Here's my chance. So I got with a couple of my teachers, and, and, and uh, I got, I got them to get me ready for the, for the audition. And I got there early. I got there at 3 o'clock in the morning and just stood in line and waited and waited. And finally, this casting director comes out, and I was like third or fourth in line. And she comes out, and she says, one, two, three, and starts giving everybody numbers. And I was I was number one. I was like, great, well, maybe I get to go in before everybody else. And she comes back and says, all right, if I've given you a number, thank you, but we're not going to be able to use you. So later on, I found out uh, I, the only difference between me and anybody who didn't get a number, I was... Five six five six and a half at the time, and everybody that didn't get a number was at least six foot tall, and looked like they were chiseled out of rock. Now I was I like I said I was five foot six, but I I danced a lot, and so I was I was totally in you know dancer form, and I was like you know what I'm not, screw this I'm not doing this anymore. So I focused more on just doing straight plays and doing theater, uh, and, you know doing real theater not musical theater. <laughs> yeah, I there said There is that. a difference. I, there is a huge difference. And anybody tells you that there isn't is lying. Well, there's a huge difference. Yeah, there sure. is. I yes. mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have I mean, I still have a great respect for people that, that do musical theater because they they do things that I can no longer do. Uh, but every once in a while I'll get suckered into a musical for some weird reason and I and I Because they ask him to. <laughs> they struck my ego a little bit. Like, Could you please <laughs> Actually, the, the next I didn't do another musical until um, uh, Avenue Q, and that and the reason I did I auditioned was it was a drunken bet. Me and my friend Lewis, uh, <laughs> he said we're at a we're at the Dark Horse and we're just trash. And he says I, I bet you 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 can't you won't audition for Avenue Q. And I was like bitch, please. So I was like <laughs> sign me up. So I I signed up that night and I, I showed up the next day and. Uh, I got cast. I got cast as Trekkie Monster because I can abuse my voice for the amusement of others. So, and then I didn't do another one after that until, um, uh, I think, Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard. I was an extra in Sunset Boulevard. And then uh, I did did Little Shop of Horrors again over at Stageworks. That was another one. But not as the dentist. No, I was was Mr. Mushnick. And I was, and I think I was literally the oldest guy there. Mm-hmm. So it, it made sense for me to be, be Mr. Mushnick. I couldn't be Seymour, so uh-huh. which I was perfectly fine with. I had to. The thing about that about musicals is everybody wants those the leading roles, but it's those aren't any fun. I mean, yeah, you get the stage time, but I got to be a character on stage. I got to mess with everyone. And, and it was it was fun. Mr. Mushnick is a great character. So and I but yeah. I played it. it. It was it was a blast. So no, I I, I joke about musicals and then I say you know I, I say that they're not real theater. And they're not, but that's a, <laughs> but I have I have respect for them and I, because sure. they are they they're I have anybody that can uh, I sing like a paraplegic. I can't hold a note. I can't carry a tune. Uh, so it's when I see people do things like that and they're dancing on stage, I'm like, wow, hey, that's awesome. I wish I could do that, but I don't. So I have to just sit back and 
But I admire. think you would miss being able to really create characters if you just did musicals all the time. Yeah. You like going through the process. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, somebody, I had a conversation with somebody about, about uh, musicals and, and uh, regular play, straight plays. Uh, everything in musicals is all prepackaged, especially with Disney. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to deviate a whole lot from that. You're not allowed to jump, you know, right. create these great characters. Whereas, you know, we have an iconic role like Jessup. Who you know Nicholson made that famous, and then I come, I get to come in and say, okay, well, let's scrap all that, and let's create something else. Let's create, a, let's create a mon, let's create a Titan. So yeah. yeah, well, I think that's a lot. With I think you're right with musicals. I think, and the audience comes in expecting this is what I want to see, and if they don't see that, then they get upset. Yeah, and I think you have more create more freedom because I started doing musicals. That's all I did for a really long time, and I've directed a lot of them, but. You know, at this stage of the game, I think it's more fun to be able to just do what you want to with a show. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh it was weird. We did uh, we did Little Shop of Horrors over at Stageworks. Uh, one, of, one of the first things they told us was there's not going to be an Audrey too in the classical sense that you recognize it. And uh, it, it turns out that Audrey too was this, <laughs> this giant drag queen, which was it was it was interesting. <laughs> It was not. It I'm was sad. Not. I missed that now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and all the all, everybody that got eaten uh, put this unitard on. We called them. We called them planties because they were they were, they were form fitting and they left nothing to the imagination. It was just god awful. But it, but but it was an interesting concept, and it was great to see somebody take an idea that your preconceived notion of something and show you something new. Uh, so it was great to see that. I, I, I admire that. But you know. People wanted to see the plant, but they got something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll admit, I was one of those people who wanted to see the plant because I wanted to see how I like the technical part of the plant. Yeah. I love yeah. seeing how you can actually make a plant big enough to swallow actors on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, tell me a little bit about uh, your transition to directing because uh, we haven't really talked much about that no, from um, you. But it, Sam's also a pretty awesome director. And I'm sure yeah. people are aware. But <laughs> I have my moments. He learned it all from me. um i I did i did no i i did i did learn a lot from 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 deb uh but it started uh probably a little after i met deb there was i had this this other friend of mine uh bunny hartman who was she's a great director she's a she was a huge uh pillar in, in community theater and everybody loved bunny and then she moved which really pissed me off but um she had directed me in a couple of plays. She actually saw me after I got back from New York. I couldn't get cast in anything. I, I would go out for these short festivals, and I was finally in one at the the Silver House Theater, which is basically it was a it was a Chinese restaurant that they turned into a theater, and they basically took the word Chinese restaurant off until it just said Silver House, and uh, it was it was a, it was kind of a dump, but it was our dump, and uh, we would always have uh, these festivals of originals, and and she was the uh, uh, stage manager. And uh, she, and I couldn't get cast in, in any big shows. And she she saw me in one of these shorts, and she says, "Hey, I'm directing this show over at this other theater. Why don't you come and audition?" And I was like, "I've been there before. They they don't want me there." And it was true. I walked in. I didn't know anybody. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody's hugging each other. And anytime somebody got up and read, they all clapped for them. And I got up and read, and I got crickets. So um, so I, the uh, the show was. Um, uh, the female version of the odd couple and I was playing one of the brothers and I didn't think I got it, but I didn't get into the, in the, in the parking lot before she called me and says, Hey, um, I want you to play this role. 
So from then on, I started working with her, and a couple of years later, I think later on that year, I, I started working with Deb, and she cast me in one of her roles, uh, one of her shows. Uh, what was it? We actually no, we actually had done um, Hieronymus before before Odd Couple. Right, that's right. Okay, so the like top right before. Are, yeah, uh, the other part was uh, yeah uh, college shows. I, I I was doing those a lot too. This so she so uh, Bunny started casting me in, in all most of her shows, not because uh, she's and I asked her I said is it because you know me and she says no I cast you because you're good and I'm just, okay I'll live with that, uh, but then there was there was this one show that she says I need help and I was like okay I'll you just tell me when the auditions are and I'll be there, and she said uh, no you, you don't understand, I, I want you to help me direct this show. I kind of I thought for I was like I'm not I'm not a director, and she says no, but it's something you it's a skill you have to have under your belt because you never know when you're going to need it. So I said okay. So I assistant uh, the guy that I I was so mad at her for a while, but then I understood it because the guy that was they, they cast in the show was just he he was he just got awful. <laughs> I really wish that he would have just found something else to do and, and done that instead. Maybe he, you know, had the cure for cancer in him, and he, now he stifled that because he thought he could do theater. <laughs> I just, you know, he. That's just. I'm sorry. That's how I felt. Okay. So, um, uh, so from then on, I started reading books on directing, and, and I started started working more with Deb, and I started watching how she interacted with uh, uh, with actors and the notes that she would give and the things that she would look for. But I never, I didn't apply it because I, I thought it was just going to be one of those things that I didn't, I didn't need. And uh, I had this friend of mine, uh, Glenn Lambert, who, who passed away a number of years ago, who, who said to me, listen, uh, Playhouse the 1960s is doing Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, and I think you should direct it. I, I, I thought about it for a while, and, so, and I asked him kind of point blank. I said, do you ask me to direct this because you want to be in it? And he says, yes, of course. And I was like, okay. <laughs> As long as, you as long as you don't pee on my shoe and tell me it's raining, we're going to be all right. So he, I got slated to direct it, and then he ended up passing away. And uh, I really kind of wish I'd had some more, some more practice. But uh, we put the show on, and it was, a, it was a great experience. I got to work with, you know, actually take that actor part of my brain and kind of turn it off for a second and put myself in the director's chair and kind of get people to do what it was I wanted them to do on stage. And it was... It was, a, it was a humbling experience because I, I had more appreciation for the kind of things directors do uh, because it's, it's not just directing on stage. A director has to be able to look at the smaller details but then also look at the bigger picture and how those small details fit into it. Things like costumes, things like set pieces, even uh, things like music, underscoring, things like all those things. Directors got to be able to juggle all those things and put on a pretty good, sh uh, a great show for you. That so. was actually our first production team yeah um like, that's the first time we actually yeah Deb, <laughs> uh, i anytime i'm directing something I, I i usually call deb in for some type to be part of it in some type, way shape or form either set designing or costume designing or uh, how do how do you build this <laughs> there's a lot of those <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's been a couple but of I think, those but i think I, I pretty much designed almost everything you've ever directed at this point most yeah, of, most, most of the stuff, the, the big, the, the big, big, big stuff, I, I wouldn't trust anybody else because I need, I need, I need that third, that, that third eye to, to tell me, no, that's not going to work. And then as it turns out, I'm like, yeah, you were right. So it, it, I still, I'm still learning. Yes, I'm still learning. <laughs> um, but as, as far as, you know, uh, things like, uh, you know, colors, 
<laughs> Colors <laughs> still elude me sometimes, so I'll ask yeah. for help. You still don't let me sit in on rehearsals, though. No, I don't because I, because I know her, uh, and she's gonna say, "You know, you really should." Like, you don't, why don't you shut up? <laughs> Go be somewhere else. Go direct your own show for. F- <laughs> Okay, but yeah, that was that was how I got into directing, and I still I like directing, but I'd rather I think I'd rather be on stage mm-hmm. um, because I I still like creating, I still like becoming somebody else, and yeah. I, I, it's, a, it's a it's a cliche to say, but when 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 I'm on stage, it's everything's there's no Sam anymore. Yeah, it's it's whatever character I'm I'm portraying, and it's it, it's all business, you know, uh, with the occasional flub here and there. It's, it's like I can't believe I dropped that line. So Yeah, but that's a when it happens, that's not an if it happens. Yeah, it, it's guaranteed that it will it will happen at some point. Um but hopefully those moments are few and far between. So do you have favorite shows that both of you have done as directors and as actors or I think True West is one of the best best experiences I had as a director. Um I got to direct Sam again. Um which was which is always good, but I yeah. think that show, what we did at, at Country Playhouse before they changed to the Queensberry, is one of the shows I look at and go, wow, that's, that all came together, and we just had probably the best cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Sam and Brian Maynard and Scott Holmes, who has now passed, and Julie, Ju- Oliver. Julie Oliver. Yeah. Um, and just really, from the get-go, when I said, trust me, to the cast, they went, Okay, there was no question. No, and there wasn't. I mean, I there were times when I had I had doubts, but then it was just like no. She would tell me, just trust me, just try it. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> because I I would I, I'm guilty of this. I would get too much in my own head, and she mm-hmm. would tell me, hey, don't get in your head, and you know, and I need to be told that sometimes. I mean, even as I'm, I'm as many shows as I have out on my belt, and as many shows as I directed, I still sometimes, you know. Have to have to learn. I have to learn. Well, I yeah. think anytime an actor gets to the point where they just say they know it all and don't have to listen to the other actors or oh, the director, you hang it up. And they might as well, you might as well go. Yeah, no, you know. Um, and there are a few of those around town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm quite a few. Yeah. I mean, True West has been one of the one of the real highlights, and it was a project that we that I really wanted to do. I had directed it when I was a senior in college. They said, you have to do a senior project. And I said, I don't want to do all the regular stuff. I want to direct a full show. And they said, we don't let students do that. And I said, and why not? And they said, well, because we never have. I said, well, guess what? This is what I want to do. (laughs) There's that Darth Vader coming in. (laughs) I'm like, you already let me choreograph your shows. What's the big deal? I'm not asking for money. This is what I want to do for my senior project. So I had done it at, well, I must have been, I was 22 at the time. When I directed it. And you got no business directing Sam Shepard at 22. No. So then at 42, <laughs> I wanted to redirect it. <laughs> now that you understand, oh, it's truest. It's not a, it's not an angst tragedy. No, it's, it's actually not. a comedy. Oh my God. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I read it, I was like, wow, this is so deep. And then yeah. I when I finally got to do it, I was like, this is funny. <laughs> This is hilarious. It in, their, in their 20s. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, you do it in your 20s. You, you're, you're doing it like Stanley Kowalski. I'm like, no, you don't do it that way. That's not how you do it, you doofus. It's, it's a comedy. You know? I uh, There were there were two shows that, that kind of stick out with me. And I think they were probably the shows that um, 
and not not to take anything away from True West because there are people that I know, that know me that say that that had to be some of your best work. But uh, I think uh, playing Barry from The Boys Next Door, that yeah. role, there were that when the show ended, that show stuck with me, and it was hard to shake. Because and I didn't I didn't have the tools to shake off the, the 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 thought process and the mentality that you had to go to 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 play those moments on stage, and so I would catch people would catch me, uh, my hands would start to do this the, the same hand motions that Barry would do, and I was like, oh, this God, this has to stop, and uh, so that that was one of the one of the hardest roles, but it was also the most rewarding because. Uh, there was not a dry eye in the room when when those moments happened, and those are those moments that an actor says, "Yes, this is why I do theater." If you can take an audience member and sh- and and shake them and move them that much, that you're doing your job. Uh, the other role that was was actually more physically challenging was uh, Michael from uh, The Pillow Man. Uh, I, I built that character from just a couple of sentences in in the script. Uh, the they talked about how they broke his jaw, and uh, so I, I I imagine what it would be like to fracture my jaw and have it heal wrong. So the sound was coming out of a different part of my mouth, and the whole ma- mannerisms and just walking in general was walking in general was a task. And not only that, and then after that breathing, uh, I, I'm sure that a character that had been abused that much had to have broken a couple of ribs. So I had to stifle my breathing. And then, spoiler alert, the, the character gets smothered by a pillow. So put that on top of breathing, breathing weird. And then you have to stop breathing on stage because the audience is like one foot away from you. Uh, I think those are two, the two of the roles that, that, that stick out the most. Um, and, of course, you have bucket roll lists. Jessup was always a, a bucket roll list. And, and not because Nicholson did it, but because it, it was just one. It's, again, he's just one of those iconic roles that you want to get your hands on and, mm-hmm. and put your put your flavor on it. And it's such a good play anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's really strange because a lot of people, when A Few Good Men came around, they're like, oh, you're going to have all these older guys come in. I'm like, you guys realize Jessup's in his 40s, right? Like, (laughs) you know, because everybody thinks of Jack Nicholson and it's like, the characters seem as much older and it's like, no, these guys are, you know, the old guys are 45, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we've got... Nicholson had to be in his late 50s when he put that on. Yeah, but, you know, you get away with those those things um, when you do that. But, um, you know, this show hit at the right time for a lot of people as far as just being able to keep things age-appropriate. And, I mean, we have the 18-year-old Marines. Right, yeah. (laughs) And we have the 40-year-old, you know, um, you know, senior officers so that we're we're closer to what it should be. Do you have bucket list things to direct? The Heiress is one, just because yeah. I love the play. And it's one of the few shows I didn't get cast in in college, so there's just a little bit of you know, bitterness <laughs> there. Back when I still was acting. Um, I would like to direct Ring Round the Moon. It's a genre-wee play. It's kind of comedy of manners um, meets farce. So you get two distinct types of comedy happening all at the same time with these rich folks that and the lead characters played by is is the lead characters are twin brothers both played by the same actor which is an amazing feat to play brothers <laughs> when you literally exit and then you come back in as the other one um that sounds like fun. that's that's great i want to take another shot at medea the classic greek i've done it with juvenile actors i really want to do it with adult actors 
you know. The, the show I did with the kids was fantastic. I mean, my Medea was an incoming seventh grader, and her audition was literally stand on the stage, and I need you to scream like you're murdering your children right here, right now. And she did it. Wow. And there was not a person in the room who didn't know there's Medea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, those kind of things. Eventually, I'd like to direct a musical again. But not with Sam. No. <laughs> I am I'm a handful as in a musical. You know. The hard the hard part for me is because I started as a choreographer. If I'm gonna direct a musical, I'm gonna choreograph and direct, which doesn't always fit into oh, wow. how theaters work okay. because my brain still thinks as a choreographer mm-hmm. when I do a musical. Yeah. So that makes it a little tricky with a way yeah. a lot of the theaters do. Um, it's one less person you have to pay. Well, that's true. Right. Just pay me twice and I'll be good. <laughs> oh, okay. As far as uh, bucket lists, I mean, I, they come up. Uh, you're gonna, I'm probably going to get laughs when I hear... When you, I'd like to play the Phantom, Phantom of the Opera. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It's weird, but it, it just... I, that's one of, and It's cheesy and nobody does it anymore but i think i, I think I would like to take a crack at it just just one time i don't know why i, I do that to myself <laughs> I, I, I say i do i want to do something like that and then somebody turns around and says oh by the way we're doing phantom of the opera shit <laughs> no you just want to do one performance of it. i just yeah i just <laughs> one, don't want to do one and done <laughs> walk away uh, That's the way I always uh, felt about Maria and West Side Story. Yeah. Let me just prove to you I can sing it, and then we'll move yeah, on. Yeah, um, but as far as plays go, um, I kind of take, I, I kind of have, uh, I don't know. There are because there you 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 have those big roles like like the ones in True West and then and, and Michael from uh, Pillow Man. You have those roles and you do them, and you're like, okay, now what? Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Colonel Jessup shows up, and I was like, oh wow, yeah, let's do that. Um, I, I think I, I yeah again the heiress I'd like to, I'd like to do that what eventually maybe we'll get Corey let somebody produce let us produce Coriolanus so we can do Coriolanus that. it's another good one I used to be afraid of deathly afraid of Shakespeare uh, I did it in New York and then and, and and really burned myself out on it and then I came back to Houston and then I tried to pick it up again for an audition piece and I totally bombed and it was at the alley too I got called back for Othello and I I. I, I choked big time and I was like, you know what? I'm never doing this again. I'm not doing Shakespeare. I, and then I get, and then I direct Antony and Cleopatra. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then, and I did, uh, Shakespeare in the shade. Uh, what was it? Was it measure for measure? No, much ado. Much, that was much ado. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I find myself like, I'll never do that again. Oh, by the way, I'm doing Shakespeare again. Um, yeah, but you're not acting. In it. Yeah, That's no, a I'm not acting. Thing. It's two totally different parts of the brain. But is bucket list? Is... Do you have bucket list directing shows? Uh, yeah, there's. I'd, I'd like to direct the women. Uh, it's 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 like what 36, 36 characters all in one play. Yeah, wow. something something close to it's, that. It, yeah, and it, so it's a, it's a huge juggling act. But uh, I, I think I like to take a crack. All women. It's all women. Yeah. Um, I'll take a crack at that. I'd like to take a crack at. Uh, uh, gosh, what else is there? You put me on the spot. I, I, I had a list of things I wanted to, to, to da, da, do, and then, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about d- the directing bucket list. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, oh, it's hard because yeah, it is. Yeah. It, that those are hard because a lot of the theaters just say, "Here's what we're doing, and do you want to do one of these?" All oh, right. So yeah. sometimes you don't get to actually like. Oh, Elephant Man! I wanted to be an Elephant Man. Yeah, you're not the only one, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> we're both looking right at you, looking right at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, understand. looking right at you. know what? I could have gone up north and done it, but it didn't. Just letting you know. Just, just so you know. I could have. I'm just going to keep my mouth quiet for yeah, a moment. Yeah, you do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay, so we're, we've reached a point in the show that I like to call the cold read strides. Cold, cold read strides. Ah. Or or the dreaded cold read strut. So um, and and since you're you're having issues with Shakespeare, I'll I'll let you know it's not Shakespeare. Awesome. So there you go. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> we are gonna do something uh, slightly uh, devilish and askew in that I've pulled this from the uh, tragedy of Doctor Faustus, Christopher Marlowe. <laughs> so it's not Shakespeare, but it's Marlowe. Yeah, so it might as know. well be. So uh, I'm going to let you guys look at this. Um, Sam, I would love you to be Faustus and um, uh, Mephistopheles will, okay. will be played by Deb. And, and, and if possible, if possible, I would I would like to see if Sam is willing to do this as a, a stuttering Englishman. Okay, so I'm, I'm Faustus? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and if, if we can get Deb to uh, do her best Valley Girl. Okay. Then, then we'll, we'll move on whenever you guys are ready. Channel the up talk. <laughs> now, Faustus, what would thou have me do? I ch- 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 charge thee, w- 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 wait upon me whilst I li- live, uh, to do w- w- whatever Faustus shall command, be, be it to make the m- m- moon drop from her sphere, or the oceans o- to over the world, overwhelm the world. I'm a servant to great Lucifer and may not follow thee without his leave. No more than he commands, we must perform. Did not he charge thee to appear to me? No, I came hither of my own account. Did not my conjuring speeches raise thee? Speak. That was the cause, but yet her accident... For when we hear one rack the name of God, abjure the scriptures, and his Savior Christ, we fly and hope we get his precious soul. Nor will we come unless he use such means whereby he's in the danger to be damned. Therefore, the shortest cut for conjuring is stoutly to abjure the Trinity and pray devoutly to the Prince of Hell. Sir, Sir Faustus hath already done and 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 and, and holds his principle this world damnation terrifies him not not him for he confounds hell in the Elysium. his ghost be with the old philosophers but leaving these vain vain trifles of old men's souls Tell me, what is Lucifer's, uh, that Lucifer, that the, thy lord? Archregent and commander of all spirits. Well, was not that Lucifer an angel once? 
Yes, Faustus, and more dearly loved of God. How comes it, then, that he is the prince of deaths? Oh, by aspiring pride and insolence, for which God threw him from the face of heaven. Why are you damned? In hell. How comes it, then, that out of hell? Why, this is hell, nor am I out of it. Thinkest that thy, that I, who saw the face of God and tasted the eternal joys of heaven and not tormented with 10,000 hells in being deprived of everlasting bliss? Oh, Faustus, leave these frivolous demands which strike a, a terror into my fainting soul. <laughs> <laughs> Acting! Couldn't hold it back anymore. Acting! <laughs> God, I can't even remember the last time I had to do it. Wow. <laughs> Let alone act. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you for being good sports about that. I appreciate that was, it. Yeah, that was, was great. Funny. I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> Try to make it interesting. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> that was interesting. The, the hard that's part is not, not breaking up. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, concentrate, concentrate. Okay, so like one last question. Um, I, I know um, projects are very far on the horizon for, uh, for Deb, so we won't talk, we won't speak yeah, of them yet. Um, but what's on, what's on the horizon for you after this show, Sam? Uh, uh, d- directing uh, five women wearing the same dress, and uh, somewhere in there, um, a short film in Austin. Uh, it's, it's a it's just a bit part, nothing, nothing. I'm just trying to stay sharp and uh, do more. So I think it's yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. And what's the what's the show about the five women wearing the yeah. same dress? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's five women wearing the same dress. <laughs> yeah, it's just five women, uh, the bridesmaids uh, at a wedding at uh, one of their houses. And it's uh, the sister of the bride is going through uh, an incident and her friends try to console her. And it's a lot of fun. You just see these characters. They're, they're, it's really well written. And, and that's that's one of the things I admire about it. It's, I like strongly written characters and, and this play has that so, and there is one guy in the and, the, uh, and there's, there's there yeah there's one guy one he, he comes in at the end and has this huge long scene so i'm hoping that i find somebody that will, uh, will enjoy hanging out with or being tormented by five women <laughs> and me so yeah it's like the reverse of a few good men <laughs> yeah it's the exact opposite of a few good men Hopefully, I won't have to, you know, nobody will drop and then have to find. <laughs> uh, wow. So, oh. You can treat, teach them all, sir, yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll give them all code reds. <laughs> Shave all their heads. Okay, and with that, let's um, just wrap this up. Sam Martinez plays Colonel Nathan Jessup. And Deborah Schultz directed the stage work production of A Few Good Men, which runs weekends through July 1st. Uh, tickets are on sale at stageworkshouston.org. And if you use the coupon A Few Good Dads, you can get $8 off any adult ticket at checkout from now until at least Father's Day. I don't know when that coupon uh, expires. I would assume. Probably Father's Day. I would assume yeah. that's when it expires. There might be a new coupon after that. I don't know. But um, that's what I've heard. Uh, you've been listening to Strutting and Fretting, uh, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. Our theme music is by Ben Miller. 
Part of this episode was written by Christopher Marlowe. <laughs> Speaking to you from Studio E42, I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the cheap seats. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. Things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com.